0: Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Woohoo! So, have you talked to your soul lately? You know, we spent the last couple of weeks talking about, have you talked to your body lately? But there's a necessary corollary, if I may use a mathematics term. If you're going to talk to your body, inevitably, it will involve talking to your soul. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So we need to talk to our souls. We need to talk to our bodies, Uh, not just when we're battling sickness and disease, but when we're facing any of the battles or challenges of life. There are times when we need to speak to our bodies, but there are plenty of other times where we need to speak to our souls. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to talk to our souls. We need to hear faith coming out of our mouth. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what better way to hear it than hear it right out of your own mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you need to speak the word. And you need to speak the word to your soul. You need to talk to your soul. As strange as it may sound, it is a biblical concept. Hallelujah. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord, especially when times are tough and it looks like the promise of God given unto you will never ever come to pass. That's the time when you need to start talking to your soul soul it's going to be okay soul the word of the lord said this and i believe the word of the lord will come to pass in my life end of story soul be encouraged soul get up and dance a jig soul be joyful in the lord because god is faithful if he promised he will fulfill amen glory to god glory to god so I want to start with a little spirit, soul, and body review, okay? It's important we lay a little bit of a foundation. I don't have time to go into great detail. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is one of the foundation scriptures that you need to study if you want to understand that you're a three-part being. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means wholly completely, not holy, holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, a lot of people teach that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. The Bible does not teach that, and if you believe that, you're going to get confused. There are three different Greek words used here for each of your three parts. Spirit is the word pneuma. It means breath or air. It's the part of you, that God breathed into you at the moment of conception. It's the part of you that's like him. And your soul, the Greek word suke, it looks like suke, but I believe the correct pronunciation is psyche, the mind, the will, the emotions, the personality. And then, of course, the body is the word soma. So you have a spirit which has a soul that lives in a body. I like to say it like this you have a spirit and soul together that live in your earth suit to live on planet earth. You have to have an earth suit. Amen. To live in outer space, you have to have a space suit, but to live on this planet, you have to have an earth suit. And the minute you leave that earth suit, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Everybody understands that, right? Praise the Lord. We are three part beings made in the image of God, who is also a three part being? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is that part of you, I say it again, that was breathed into you by God at the moment of your conception. That's precious. The breath of God lives on the inside of me. Amen. Hallelujah. And your soul is the seat of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Praise the Lord. And we live in this body. One thing you have to remember if you're going to be successful and walk in victory as a believer is this. Your soul is the middleman. He's the key to walking in victory. If he sides with the spirit, the spirit and soul will dominate your body, your flesh, and cause you to do the will of the Lord. If he sides with the body or the flesh, He will cause you to do the desires of the flesh. So the soul is important. He's the middleman. He's the one that's vulnerable to the voice of the enemy and the the things of this world. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is another scripture that sort of backs us up in our belief. We're not just going to hang our hat on one scripture. But this is another scripture which speaks to the fact that man is three parts For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. Evidently, your spirit and soul are so closely entangled, they're separate, yet they are intricately connected. And it's such a a dynamic relationship and such a closeness of spirit and soul that the Bible says only the word of God can tell you where the spirit ends and the soul begins. It's the same with the body. Your soul is attached to the joints and the marrow of your body, and it also takes the word of God to tell you where your soul ends and your body begins. Amen. It's a very mysterious thing. And I don't have time to get into it. Amen. Because this is just a review. Amen. Go back to the podcast. I've got two or three episodes dedicated to spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some teachers put it this way. You're a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. I take it another step, as do many other teachers. I believe that the spirit and soul of man in combination is the heart of man. Peter says, this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. He talks about the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. I believe he's talking about the spirit as a component of the two-part heart. The hidden man of the heart is the spirit of man. Amen? And here's why it's important. Have you ever had something come into your heart And you ask yourself the question, is that me or is that God? Everybody's done that, right? Everybody wants to know, is that me or is that God? Should I speak that out or am I in the flesh? Well, here's the way you know. Only the word of God is able to tell you what is spirit and what is soul definitively. So the way that you'll know for sure consistently whether that's of God or not is if you dig into the Word of God and learn the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God so that when those occasions come and the voice on the inside says thus and such, you'll just know that's God. You'll just know that's the flesh. I ain't going with that. Amen. But you need to double up on the Word. You see, people don't realize that to operate in the Spirit necessitates a knowledge of the Word and not just a passing knowledge of the word. You got to know the word. Otherwise you'll get flaky. You'll be spiritual. (laughs) I mean, in a flaky sense, there's some people that are so spiritual. They're no earthly good. You know, we don't want to be like that. We want to balance and the way you balance it out. And the Lord always reminds me because listen, I'm a spiritual guy. I have dreams and visions almost every night of my life. And if I didn't ground myself in the word, I don't think my wife would be with me right now. 35 years. (laughs) And she's always there to say, yeah, I know you saw an angel, but what does the word say? And I have to go to the word and give her a scripture. And so far it's been working. She's been keeping me grounded. Amen. All right. So you've got to have a balance of the spirit And the word, somebody in here needed that. Amen. Glory to God. Well, that was a review of spirit and soul and body. That's not really what we're talking about, but it's necessary for you to understand what your soul is if we're going to talk to your soul. Amen. Talking to your soul is a biblical concept. And I believe the reason is this. The soul is the seed of the mind, the will, the emotions, as we've already said. And because it's subject to the ravages of this world, It is the battle that must be won, the battle of the soul. This is where the battle rages. This is where the battle in this life will be won or lost, right between your two temples. Amen. The Bible says, if you're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Some translations say a new precedent, a creature that never before existed. You are new on the inside. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then the next verse says, and all things are of God. So the person on the inside of you, that born again man on the inside of your woman is perfect and righteous and holy, just like God. The challenge of the Christian life is to get that man to work his way to the outside. From your spirit, through your soul. And affecting your body. Amen? So your soul is the middleman, and your soul is the battlefield. So if you're going to talk to something more than anything else, you need to talk to your soul. Hallelujah. Psalm forty two verse five and eleven. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. And then verse 11 in the same psalm, very similar phrase, just a few verses later. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then Psalm 43, verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now, why did I give you all three of these verses which say essentially the same thing? Because I want you to see that these Psalms come from a common author. These Psalms, if you study it out, Psalm 42 and 43, were written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah. Anytime you see this kind of repetition so closely grouped together in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is wanting to make a point. And the point is, when all seems lost, when times are tough, it's time to start talking to your soul. It's time to encourage yourself in the Lord. In this case, the sons of Korah, they're asking a rhetorical question. And this is my paraphrase. Why are you so depressed? What's the matter with you? Don't you know what the Lord has done for you? Don't you know what the promise of God is unto you? Hope in God. I shall yet praise Him because of what He's going to do. Whatever I'm going through, He's going to see me through it. Whatever I'm in, He's going to get me out. And all i got to do is stand and just encourage myself in the Lord and make sure that only good things come out of my mouth. It's important because death and life are in the power of the tongue and you will eat the fruit of what you say with your mouth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If anyone had cause to be depressed, it was the sons of Korah. Their forefather. Now listen to this. This will blow your mind. Their forefather, Korah was among those who were judged and swallowed up by the ground in the desert for outright rebellion against Moses. I mean, the Bible says the ground swallowed them up and they went straight into hell. That was their daddy. They are the sons of that man. Whoo! So it would have been easy for the sons of Korah to let people label them according to their lineage, according to their family history of rebellion and judgment. You know they had to have many occasions where they let their soul become downcast and depressed. Yet the sons of Korah overcame these impulses and all the other hardships and ridicule they must have endured. Listen to this. This is a mind blower. If you study it out, you'll see that many of the sons of Korah were eventually promoted to places of honor and great prestige in the land of Israel. Some of them became doorkeepers and custodians in the tabernacle. Others became expert warriors and joined King David in many of his military pursuits. Eventually, even the prophet Samuel came from the line of Korah. And he gave us the history of King Saul and the history of King David in 1st and 2nd Samuel in our Bibles. Amen. I tell you what, that's cause for rejoicing. If these men who were probably ridiculed through the ages because of their family history, if they had occasion to be depressed and they knew the answer was to speak to their soul, God saw to it that it got recorded in the Bible. So we'd know what to do, too. Amen. Hallelujah. And I promise you, most of you don't have a family history like that. Your great, 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 great grandfather didn't get swallowed up in the ground and sent straight into hell. Okay, I'm sorry. That's a tough one to beat. I don't think anybody else out there has that in their family tree. Now, listen, I got some scoundrels in my family tree. I won't mention who they are but it doesn't define who I am now. Perhaps most noteworthy of all, some of the sons of Korah became worship leaders in the tabernacle of Jerusalem during the time of King David. What a great honor to have come from where they came from and to be elevated to that position of leading the people in worship in the tabernacle. And as I said, their songs ended up in the Word of God so that they could help the rest of us know what to do when depression tries to take hold of our mind, our will, and our emotions. They knew, and now we know what to do when the challenges of life threaten to overwhelm us. We need to start speaking to our soul. We need to start speaking the Word, and we need to start worshiping the Lord. Amen. Listen to some of these samples from the Psalms that were written by the sons of Korah. And I'm personally blessed by him because I know a song that I learned when I came to the Lord attached to each of these psalms. And so it blows my mind that the sons of Korah wrote some passages in the Bible that were put into songs in the 1980s that personally blessed me 3,000 years later. I love that. For example... Some of you may not realize that these came from the sons of Korah. Everybody, anything that sounds cool in the Psalms, we automatically attribute to King David, right? Well, you got to go read and find out who the author was. For example, Psalm 42, verse 1 in the New King James Version says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Very famous passage. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Y'all remember that back in the day? Hallelujah. I'm sorry. It's old, but it still blesses me. (laughs) Psalm 84, verse 1 in the English Standard Version. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. How lovely is your dwelling place, almighty God. There's a hunger deep within my soul. Only in your presence are my heart and flesh restored. How lovely. That one still gets me. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3 in the King James Version. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. You probably, some of you younger folks haven't heard this song, but listen, us older folks will have remembered it. God is our refuge and God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Glory to God. You see what I'm talking about? You see why I was moved to tears last night as I was finishing this up. The sons of Korah came from the depths of depression to write songs that blessed me 3,000 years later. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. Amen. So with all that in mind, what do we do when our dreams seem to be slipping through our fingers? Anybody else besides me? Ever felt like the dreams that God gave you are slipping slowly and agonizingly through your fingers? And all you can do is watch it happen. Watch the clock tick. Watch the days, the weeks, the months, the years go by and wonder if that word will ever be fulfilled. Is there anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about? times like that we need to speak to our souls we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord many times in our lives we feel like the promises of God have fallen flat prophetic words that that stirred us for years and, and motivated us to pursue our calling many of those words seem like they have come and gone unfulfilled We feel like our dreams are like a vapor. They were here, but now they've just disappeared. This is the most dangerous type of depression there is because it strikes at the heart of who we are as a people. Our purpose, our destiny, our reason for being. When you lose purpose, you lose hope. And many times you just die. I know in the military there there was there was a syndrome. I, I spent nine years active with the Marines and 21 years with the Air Force Reserve. And and I saw this happen many times. A man or a woman would put 20 or 30 years in to the military. They would retire. And then a year or two later, they just died. Unexpectedly. Why? They lost their sense of purpose. And when you lose your sense of purpose, you lose hope. There's nothing to strive toward, nothing to walk in. There's nothing out there that's calling you to do better, to go to the next level, to believe God for the impossible. We got to have dreams so that we can believe God for the impossible. And listen, if it's a if it's a God dream, I guarantee you there are elements in there that you can't do without God's help because they are impossible to you. In fact, that's the earmark of a God dream. It ain't going to happen unless God gets involved. Let's look at a passage of Scripture that captivated my heart back in the 1980s. And and it captures this feeling that I've been describing more completely than any other passage I know in the Bible. Let's see what we can learn. Let's see what we can glean. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 8, and then verse 18 and 19. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. You ever been in a situation? where you just cried and cried and cried until there were no more tears to cry. This is where these men were. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David... Encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Amen. Now, I want to give you a little background, which will help you understand why this is such a powerful passage. This was 13 years after Samuel had anointed David to be the next king of Israel. Yet here he and his men were on the run, considered outlaws by the kingdom of Saul living in exile in the land of the Philistines. Don't you know, David had occasion to wonder whether the word of the Lord concerning him would ever be fulfilled. And if that were not bad enough, now the Amalekites had burned the city, which was their only refuge, and had taken all their women and children as slaves. Now let me paint a picture for you. He's got a band of 600 men. If every man had at least one wife and one child, we're talking about 1,200 women and children that they somehow got to find and rescue. A monumental task. Symbolically and in the heart of these men, these wives and these children, they represented their future. And it seemed like their future was lost and there was no way they would recover it. Amen? Stolen by the enemy forever. I'm sure that's why they cried and cried and cried until they could cry no more. It was like they saw their future slipping through their fingers and there was nothing they could do. On a more personal note, it seemed to David as if Samuel's prophecy over him would never come to pass because his own men were talking about stoning him. Now, they stoned him, they're going to stone him to death. And when you're dead, you can't be king. Amen. So David's wondering, I got all these men that lost their women and children. And now it looks like the prophecy of Samuel may not come to pass. This had to be swirling in his mind and emotions as he faced this drama. And yet he had the presence of mind to encourage himself in the Lord, his God. Amen. Glory to God. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Well, you talk to your soul and I believe you rehearse the things that God has promised you he would do in your life. I imagine David said something like this. I know it looks bad, but God is faithful. He is able to help us. I know it looks like I might not survive the day, but God is faithful. My times are in your hand. And since the prophecy of Samuel has not yet come to pass, and I'm not yet king, it's not time for me to die. Psalm 31:15. he says that very thing in one of the Psalms that he writes. Now, for me to become king, I'm going to need these men at my side. I need their loyalty. I need the strengths that they have available for me. Not only do I believe you can restore all that I lost, but I believe you can restore all that they lost. Now, what do you want me to do, Lord? This is what David did. Imagine this. He's not born again. He's not spirit filled like you and I. And yet he had the strength of character and the presence of mind to say, you know what? I'm not going to let these emotions rule me. I'm not going to let what it looks like rule me. I'm going to fix my heart and my hope on the promise of God in my life. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I mean, you know, it sounds silly, but sometimes you need to, you know, point the finger at yourself and say, self, be encouraged, be full of joy. You got nothing to be depressed about. God is on your side. And if God be for you, who could ever be against you? Do that sometimes. Just don't do it in public. You know, I maintain that the real crazy people are the ones who don't talk to themselves. Amen. Right things, you know, I'm talking about right things, not crazy things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, what do you want me to do, Lord? Then the Lord told him to pursue the enemy and he would recover everything that was lost. Not a portion, not almost, but everything. You shall recover all. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 18 and 19. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all I tell you what that's a good time to say hallelujah glory to God but there's more while this drama was playing out with David and his men King Saul and his army were defeated by the Philistine army and Saul and his son Jonathan were slain just 48 hours after the darkest time in his life one of the battle survivors brought the crown that he had taken off the body of King Saul and gave it to David. Just 48 hours later. And after that, God told David to go to Hebron and there the men of Judah anointed him as their king. Seven and a half years later, the northern tribes joined them and David became king of all of Israel for the next 33 years. I'm telling you, God is faithful during the darkest times of your life, if you'll take the time to encourage yourself in the Lord, you might be just seconds or minutes or hours or days from your complete deliverance and everything will turn on a dime. Everything will change overnight. God will do a miracle. A suddenly will come and then everything will be different and you'll be standing there as the victor, not the victim. Glory to God. Sometimes when it seems like everything has fallen apart in our lives and the dream God gave us will never come to pass, suddenly God begins to move. At times like that, when all seems lost, we need to do what David did and we need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Amen. We need to hold fast to the promises of God and speak to our souls what God has spoken unto us. And the thing we've been believing God for will suddenly come to pass. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is a very emotional message for me because I've had a couple of times in my life where I hit bottom and it looked like there was no getting out of the dilemma that I was in. But at times like that, I began to encourage myself in the Lord. There have been times in my life where I had to just say, just break it down and make it simple. I told my middle daughter one time, she was struggling with depression. I told her, listen, if you can't think of anything else to say, say this. God's going to take care of me. Everything's going to be all right. If you can't think of a scripture, if you can't think of a bold declaration, just say that. I'm going to be all right. God is going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. He's got my best interest at heart. God will see me through this. He'll get me out of this. Brighter days are ahead. He's working on my behalf. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's good if it's laced with the word of God, but even if you just speak positive things of your life. You know. Some of you need to do that. I'm sensing in my spirit that some of you in a dark place right now. And you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. And and this is kind of strange, a little bit different. But what I want you to do, I want everybody to stand to your feet. And and is as, as different as this is, I want you just to humor me. As your pastor, I want you to think about a situation that seems like there's no answer or something in your life. That's troubling you that you need to get past. You need to overcome. And I want you to just take these minutes, just take a few minutes, and everybody say it out loud to yourself, okay? So it, it should get loud in here, okay? And I want you to start encouraging yourself in the Lord. If you can't think of anything else to say, say, self be encouraged. God is on your side. If God be for you, who can be against you? He is for me, with me, in me. But say something to encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen? All right, let's do it. I speak you, soul, in the name of Jesus. You be encouraged. God is with me. God is for me. God is in me. There shall no evil befall me. No plague come nigh my dwelling. With long life He satisfies me and shows me His salvation. If God be for me, who in the world can be against me? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be encouraged. Stand up on your feet. God is with you. He'll see you through. The word of the Lord will come to pass. I will stand. He is faithful who promised. Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Your word toward me is forever settled in heaven. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.